you want to come back again next week. Uh, next week, I believe, is the Thanksgiving uh, breakfast. And so um, not only is that the special part of it, where everybody, in a sense, brings a dish. We all eat outside. We'll set up a tent. But then we have a service where it's actually the people that come that provide the word. Everyone will say a Bible verse and maybe a reason that they want to give thanks to the Lord for the year 2020. Um, that's going to take some faith. I think we want to come, right? What a year this has been. But I'm excited. I'm really looking forward to that service. Uh, Pastor Zach, he is away out of town. Uh, there's a, a singles conference being given in uh, Calvary Chapel, Philly. Um, and uh, so he and a group of guys from the um, young adults ministry went. It was a time of being strengthened in the Lord and discipling uh, other men. So let's be in prayer for Pastor Zach. I have the privilege of, of being able to, um, to teach you this morning. Uh, I didn't know everything that's going on uh, would be going on. <clears throat> I thought about setting a foundation so that we could better... Uh, appreciate uh, the lesson this morning in Luke 18. What came to my mind is a form of a question, and you're going to get to participate here. This is going to be interactive. Uh, I got to look around to see if there's some people that I could call on that I know they won't get upset if I call on them. But um, if someone that's maybe in a complete coma and they came out of it, and they have total amnesia. They don't remember the basic elements of life. And if that person would come to you and tell you, hey, listen, I want you to help me. What is needed for me to be able to, to live? What is really a need in life that I must do? What would you answer that person? Um, don't have to be spiritual in a sense of like, I'm not just looking for Bible answers. I'm just looking in a normal conversation. Somebody comes to you and they say, please answer me the question, what is needed uh, for me to be able to live? So, <clears throat> Rick, what would you answer them? Jesus, okay. So Rick is going... In the direction of the Bible, which is which is good. Anybody else here? What would you what would you answer them? Anybody else? What do you, water. Well, I like that water? You know, remember this is basic. The individual he doesn't know what you need in life. And you know, as a matter of fact, this week uh, I read again something that I knew, but I read the article that states this is what the article stated. I'm not practicing medicine. I'm not a doctor. So if you do this, it doesn't work. Don't sue me. Uh, but the article said that if you drink several glasses of water first thing in the morning to break your fast through the night, it's actually good with things like blood pressure, with stomach issues. Uh, it had a whole list of things that something as simple as drinking several glasses of water early in the morning uh, before you even have breakfast and then waiting about 45 minutes before you eat anything. Uh, the article also stated that they practice this in Japan. It's a, it's a practice in Japan, a very uh, clean uh, culture. But so far we got Jesus and we got water. Anybody else? What would you answer them? Food. I like that. You need to eat. Uh, 
family. Very good. Someone right after in the morning service, they said, you need to eat. And the very next answer was, you need to work. And I like that, you know, because if you're going to eat, you're going to work, you know. So I like that. But so far, we got prayer. We got water. We got eat. We, need, we got family. Orlando. Air. To breathe. You need to breathe. You know, Ileana, did you have something, I think? We need each other, you know. Very, very important. We need one another, conversation, fellowship. Yes, Lucy. We need truth, truth in life. The back there, Anna. Hope, interesting things. Okay, uh, yes. Tolerance. We need tolerance, truth, uh, uh, hope, shelter. You know, you're going to need shelter. I'm going to... Converse here with you also to, in a sense, set, set the platform here this morning, the foundation. We're living interesting times, you know. As a nation, <clears throat> we just had an election, as you know. And some people are very pleased with the results of the election. They're thinking, hey, we wanted a change. We wanted Biden. Uh, the majority of the people chose Biden. So that's the direction we're going to go. Some other people are saying, but wait a minute, was this a reliable vote? In other words, some people are saying there was fraud. And this morning, if you get upset at me, please don't leave here upset. I'm going to be up front here. I'll be able to, to talk with you, to pray with you. What I'm trying to establish is, is there fraud? Is there no fraud? Is there something going on in our nation that the average person is not aware of and they're not seeing? What's going on? When I first voted, it was a wonderful thing that they actually had a piece of paper where the way that I voted it was impressed on that paper. That paper was the paper that was counted. It was filed, and it could very easily be verified. They could take my ballot, come to me, show it, hey, did you vote this way? And I would say yes, yes, or it was very easy. In that process, our nation went on a shift, and we became electronic. We went to technology. And one of the ways that it was introduced, it was... Because it's going to help the results and the vote be counted faster. That hasn't worked so well because they're still counting. So what we're looking at here is what's going on. This is the platform. How could you, how could I, how could we as believers help Someone that would ask us what is needed. And we might say meant to accept the results. We might say to do an investigation and see if there's fraud. As you look at reports that are being given, one of the things that I read that causes me to have a lot of questions. Some of the computers that were utilized fall under a programming that the name that was given was Dominion. Any of you heard of that? 
them in here? Thank you. Put your hands down. Thank you. And the whole idea is that in this article, it was saying that this dominion and this voting can be traced to the elections in Venezuela to Chavez. And you say, wait a minute, is that true? Is that not true? Well, if it's not true, the question would be, why is it that the server for that, one of them is outside of the nation? It's in Germany. Another server, another name which I cannot even pronounce, supposedly is in Spain. So the same article was saying that a high official in the military that was recently fired was fired. Because one of the things that the president did is he ordered a military exercise investigation in catching the server in Germany to be able to bring it to do the proper investigation. So, as you think with me, you say, Pastor, why do you use that as an illustration? Are you going to polarize people? I, I would say, am I? The idea here is that if there is no fraud, if it's a proper election, another question would be is, yesterday, for example, they had a demonstration over a million people in D.C. Why is it that these organizations of Antifa and BLM are violently addressing people that are there to express what they stand for and what they believe. And where is it that we, you, I, as a church, where is it that we are going to pray and we are going to stand? So having said that, Luke chapter 18, verse 1. Jesus here is teaching. And it tells us in verse 1 that then he spoke a parable to them. That men, meaning human beings, meaning we, always ought to pray and not lose heart. Those words there, what Jesus is teaching on is that we must pray and faint not. So for those that would want a title, what are you going to speak on? On the need to pray and not to faint. And so before we continue, the question is, is there really a need to pray? The same way that we need water, the same way that we need food, the same way that we need shelter, we need each other, we need Jesus, we need hope, we need truth. The same way that we do all of that. Can we, in the house of the Lord, 
have a conversation where people listen, pray. If anyone has a different perspective, those watching by computer, can we talk? Can we interact without violence? Listening to each other, hearing each other. And Jesus here teaching in his ministry, the subject is what we must do, what we need is to pray. And so he's going to teach him a parable. A parable is a story. The word parable, the illustration, is almost like a railroad track where you have two parallel tracks. You got the word in parable, parallel, and then one track is an earthly story And then the other track, as this earthly story is unfolding and being told, the other track is giving you the heavenly lesson teaching, which the earthly story is pointing to, and it's making very clear and very truthful. And so in this parable, in this story, my thought this morning is, as we get ready to leave this property Can I, can you say and agree, man, I got it. If there's one thing in my life that I need to exercise, develop, become richer in is prayer. Go with me now to verse 2, and we begin to see the story that Jesus uses to teach this lesson. There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now, there was also a widow in that city. and She came to him saying, get justice for me and my adversary. I stopped there and we think a little bit here this morning. The judge could be defined as an atheist, an agnostic. He doesn't fear God. He doesn't, in a sense, have anything to do with God. And he doesn't fear man. This is a guy that's also not a politician. He's not worried about the polls or about majority or what is uh, popular. This is a man that is just straight up uh, his own individual. But he's a judge. In these days, it wasn't like today where we have a court. We have a court in Coral Gables. We have a court downtown. We have a court in the government center down south. There's a court in different areas in in Miami. Uh, In these days, a lot of times, the judge was an itinerant judge. In other words, he traveled to major locations, and people came there to find legal, just ruling on their situation. So here is this judge, this man of power, this man of authority. Here is this widow in these days, this culture. Remember, ladies were almost second-rated citizens. Sometimes the animal was given more attention than the lady. And even as I say that, it, it's interesting how uh, some people today are bothered. But you think about our days, the days that we live in. And um, some of you here this morning, you have pets and I've watched some of my neighbors that have pets, and it's beautiful to observe because they carry the pet, you know, and sometimes when they put the pet down, they gently put the pet down, and then they take uh, the leash to walk the pet, and, 
And what I'm trying to show you here is the actions of some husbands and wives to their spouse, where they get to a place and there's the door, get out, you know, or the way we treat each other, there's the food in the microwave. And, and so here we have this with pets and then the way we treat each other. Uh, sometimes maybe I should go to a different subject because people might get a little bit touchy here. But what I'm trying to share is that this lady, she had very little worth in the culture. And so she's like nothing coming to someone that's got all the power. And she's saying, listen, I got an adversary. I got a challenge. I got an enemy. And you're the one that can do justice between me and my adversary. And now we continue as the story continues to unfold. In verse 4, Jesus tells us that the judge would not answer this widow for a while. But afterwards, the judge said with him himself, Though I do not fear God, nor I regard man, yet, verse 5, because this widow troubles me, I'm going to avenge her, lest by her continual coming she wear me out, she weary me. I stop there, and again, as we're getting the story, Jesus is teaching on prayer on the need to pray and not to give up, not to faint, not to become weary, uh, a power in prayer, an intensity in prayer, an effectiveness in prayer, a determination in prayer. That's what Jesus is teaching on. And so he's teaching about this judge. He's teaching about this widow. He's saying this widow just kept on coming, and the judge for a time says, I don't have to listen to her. She's just a widow. I don't have to give her the time of day. Incidentally, there's something interesting here. If this judge is an itinerary judge and he's traveling, the, the story doesn't tell us if this was just a one-shot deal where he came to the town and one interaction there, if he had to stay a short time or many days, the widow kept coming, or the other possibility is if every time he would come to that town, that widow would be there. Implication here is we don't know how long this widow persisted in coming to this judge and saying, you got to give me justice. You got to give me justice. You got to rule on my behalf. You got to listen to my problem. You got to take my problem. You got you to gotta act. You're the authority. You're the one that can do it. We don't know how many times she did that. And remember, the lesson here is we must pray and not give up and not faint and not grow weary. And so as we're looking at this story, it's good for you watching by computer. It's good for us. It's good for me. It's good for every one of us to consider, have I become weary in prayer? How's my prayer life? Is my prayer life 2020 better than it was in 2019? Am I known in heaven as a person that prays? And maybe now you understand why I use the illustration and the start that I use at, at the risk of maybe people walking away or turning me off. Uh, that's your choice, but there's a communication I must make here. Are you known more as a Republican, Democrat, Independent? Are you known more as a person that's involved in politics or tired of politics? And yet, how are you, me, we known when it comes to prayer? Some of you here, you're known for your cooking. Some of you here, you're known for your mercy. Some of you here, you're known for many things. But Jesus here is teaching, and he's saying, don't miss out on this November 15, 2020, family, church, Calvary Chapel, Miami, younger or young or older. Don't miss out on this. 
You must pray. The same way you breathe, the same way you eat, prayer is not a luxury. Prayer is a necessity. I remind you, go back there, verse 1. He spoke to them a parable that men always ought to pray. And you say, ought to, pastor. You didn't say necessity. Good observation. So let me give you the original language, the definition of that word that is translated to should always or need to pray is a word that 58 times is translated to must, must. 31 times you ought to do it. Five times you must need. It includes the must and the need. You should four times. But listen, as you come a little bit closer to thought, that need is described this way from the original language to understand the word. It is necessary. Is a word that means there's a need. It behooves the person to pray. It is right. It is proper. It's a word that means that there's a necessity line in the nature of the case. In other words, that you and I, if we're understanding this morning, the words that Jesus uses to say you must pray implies that a follower of Jesus, a student of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, recognizes that there's circumstances that will come into your life where you and I have an opportunity to respond in a way that my prayer is going to intensify, is going to increase, is going to be more pointed, more if you would focus, or I'm going to faint. I'm going to give up. I'm not going to get it. I'm going to wait to the next circumstance. But I pray that you're following not only me, that we're following what the Spirit of the Lord would want to teach us this morning. A necessity brought on by circumstances or the conduct of others towards us. Necessity in reference to what is required to attain some end. In other words, prayer is the only vehicle that's going to help you, me, us in circumstances to acquire what we need. Nothing else will. That word necessity also implies a necessity of the law, of the command. It's a necessity established by the counsel and the decree of God, especially by a purpose of his which relates to salvation of men, by intervention of Christ, which is disclosed in Old Testament prophecies. I think enough has been said, the need to pray. You could be a Baptist, a Methodist, a Roman Catholic, a Calvary Chapelite. You could be independent. You could be a believer. You could be an unbeliever. But Jesus here is teaching. Listen, I'm going to tell you the story about an earthly situation because the lesson today is to point to you to see there's a need, there's a requirement, there's a must to pray in the life of every person that's listening to my voice right now, including those that are here and those that are watching by some kind of a, a device. What is it? 31 plus 10 is 41 plus maybe 5, 46, 40-something days before 2020 is gone. Gone. What is it? We, we could put a man on the moon 
We're going for Mars now. We have smart devices that can take pictures. We can communicate with the whole world. For goodness sake, we could, we could turn on the air conditioning in our home. We could open the garage door. I wonder, can we open the refrigerator and cook scrambled eggs and bacon yet? I don't know, but there'll be, a, there'll be an app coming out with that. I mean, the things that we could do. And the implication is, but yet if we don't pray, we are in a dilemma. We are in a present situation and circumstance that the people of God and the church of God must pray. Jesus gives the story and he says, listen, this widow, she got results. It seemed impossible. It seemed like there was no way the disparity was just too much. But yet, I could see Jesus teaching on this smiling. She got results. And now that I laid down that story here, parallel to that, I'm going to make the point now how we must pray, leaving there the last verse. Where were we? I believe verse 5. Now we go to verse 6, Luke 18. Then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. Verse 7, and shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him? Even though he bears along with them, I tell you, verse 8, that he will avenge them. And compared to eternity, family, it's going to be speedily. But nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? I hope you're following. This is, this is, this is so explosive here. You say, Pastor, what are you getting at? Don't make the mistake that maybe for a while some people have made that they think that the unjust judge is like God and that's what Jesus is trying to do. Not at all. What Jesus is doing here is by contrast, by difference from the lesser to the greater. He's trying to show that in the lesser, if this judge that does not fear God or men, he doesn't believe in God or men, if he finally gave the widow the answer, then how much more a God who is loving, who is merciful, who does care about you, who does love you, who loves righteousness, who loves our organization and things that are done decently and in order, how much more God. In other words, what Jesus is doing here, in contrast, he's saying, listen, if this widow kept coming to this judge, how much more should you and I, if we know God, if we're believers, how much more should we be running to God and praying and exercising prayer? And it's not so much about whether I get the answer or I see the answer. It's not so much about how long it's taking. The implication here is that this widow keeps coming to the judge for the answer. But when you learn about prayer, you keep coming to God for the access. You got that? It's not about the answer. It's about the access. I got access to God. I can spend time with God. I could be in the presence of God. Lord, I can enjoy you. I can enjoy your presence, your peace. You better believe I want to communicate. That's what prayer is. You better believe I want to interact. Go back there, Luke chapter 18, something else we got to look at. So the first thing that we looked at was what? Ought to, the must, the necessity. 
Prayer? What does that word prayer mean? The word prayer here in the original language is a word that means to be at near. If you're taking notes, for those of you that are note takers, you might want to circle that word prayer and put at near. I like this word, regard to, a wish. So prayer is when you come near to God, when you give regards to God, when you have a wish, a petition, a desire that you're presenting before God. But I like this one. Prayer, not only is it at near, a wish, in regard to, it's two more words in the original language from prayer that means, listen to this, towards and advantage. Towards and advantage. Towards and advantage. At this point, some of you might be saying, este pastor está loco. You know, this pastor told you. No, wait a minute, stop. Think. That prayer means that I'm not only wanting to be near God, but I'm actually pointing my senses, my radar, my heart, my, my in some cases, my bitterness, my uh, abuse. I'm, I'm bringing it towards God. I'm not pointing it towards the abuse, towards myself, towards who's stronger, towards revenge, towards I'm going to get in. No, I'm bringing it towards God. In other words, prayer. I'm coming to God. I'm saying, God, I'm, I'm coming to you. I'm recognizing that you're God. You're in control. You have timing. You're sovereign. And then advantage, I like that, that in prayer, you're giving God the advantage in your life, in your situation, in your circumstance, family. Is anyone getting it? How prayer doesn't have to do with uh, your words. Uh, Put a marker there. Go with me towards the front of the Bible. Go with me to the gospel according to Matthew. So Mark is in the middle. Now you go to Matthew chapter 6. Here Jesus is also taking time to teach on prayer. As you keep going there, I'm going to go ahead and and begin to read. In verse 5, Matthew 6, verse 5. Matthew 6, verse 5, notice how Jesus here is showing that we must pray because he starts by saying here in verse 5 of Matthew chapter 6, and when you pray. He doesn't say, if you pray. In other words, you're going to pray. Everyone here, everybody watching by a device, myself, the nation, the atheist, the agnostic, everyone is going to call on God. He's going to call. You're going to come to that point in life where you're going to say, I need help. And Jesus here says, when you pray as a believer, don't be like the hypocrites. Man, they love to pray standing up in their synagogues, in the corners of the street, that they could be seen by men. Prayer is not about human recognition. Prayer is the heavenly recognition. Prayer. Every time we pray properly and we pray right, we walk away from prayer knowing in heaven I'm recognized. I'm known in heaven. Father, I come to you. That's why he says in a little while he's going to say our Father in heaven. He doesn't say our Father in Saturday Night Live. He doesn't say our Father in the White House, and the Blue House. He doesn't say our Father in the Cabinet, in the Congress. He says our Father where? In heaven. Prayer. Do you pray? Do I pray? Even now, are you being stirred, called, moved, inspired? Are you thinking, man, 
¿Qué me pasa a mí? ¿Por qué no estoy orando más? What's happening to me? Why am I not praying more? Well, Jesus already told you, there's that tendency in prayer to faint, to give up, to lose heart. Well, we spoke about the need, the must. We spoke about prayer. Let's look at that other word there. Stay here, Matthew. I'm going to come back to it. As a matter of fact, you could do it at home. You could do it for homework. You're going to see that prayer is not about your wording. It's not about publicly recognition. Prayer is about you and me. It's an interesting thing. Interesting thing what I'm about to say. Jesus says, go into your closet. He doesn't say, come out of the closet. I think many people come out of the closet because they don't know the joy of the secret of prayer in a closet. And I suggest to you that as a nation, as a society, everybody, well, this is my right. Well, this is what I want. Well, this is what I feel. Well, this is what I say. Well, wait, stop a second. Do you know what it is to pray, to come into the presence of God, to kneel down physically, actually humble yourself and say, okay, Lord, here we are, Lord. It's you and me, Lord, and God, I am nothing, and you're everything, Lord. I'm confused, I'm burdened, I'm hurt, I've been abused, but Lord, here I am right now. This is prayer, Lord. Let's get it on here, Lord. I want to go towards you, Lord. I want to acknowledge you, Lord. I want you to have the advantage right now over this because my life is about to sink. Lord, I'm going to go through situations where, Lord, what's going to happen in eternity? Where am I going to be if I keep making wrong interpretations and wrong interpretations and wrong interpretations, feeling right, getting popularity, getting support, but I'm wrong, Lord. Where do I find what is right? Prayer. Oración. Even the words in Spanish, rezar. Padre nuestro que está en los cielos, repeat, it's not, it's not rezar, it's prayer. It's spontaneous, it's fresh, it's genuine, it's new, it's from your heart. You don't go to a restaurant, ham and eggs, bacon, coffee, ham and eggs. No, sometimes you say, apple pie, a la mood. With your wife, with, with your husband, with the person that you love, you know, I love you. Roses are red, violets are blue. I love you, love you, love you. I do. No, every once in a while, you got to do something spontaneous. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be on I pray 50 our fathers. Good. Whoopie-doo. But you didn't pray. You have not discovered the reality of communication with a living, sovereign, awesome God. And when we come into his presence, sometimes we realize, I can't say anything right now. It's too majestic. It's too holy. It's too phenomenal. Right now, just, that's why the psalmist said, be still. Be, be still right now and know that I am God. Prayer. True prayer. So what I wanted you to see here is Jesus is teaching on this, this prayer in, in Luke 18, hopefully you're there, and then we have, we have three main focus. You must pray. There's a need to pray. We can discover what prayer is, but then this not lose heart, not lose heart. What does that mean? Well, I told you, faint, wearied. I like this one. Exhausted. In other words, if you're going to pray right, 
there's a battle going on. Did you know that? Do the experiment. Get on your phone and have you noticed Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, uh, Parley, whatever you get on. Notice that you could just do that. But yeah, when you're going to pray, have you noticed right away the phone rings? Ring, ring, ring. You're going to pray, the cat. It's like everything is trying to stop you. from. Have you noticed that? How about this one? You could do anything as long as you want and you're awake. You're going to go to prayer, you fall asleep. It's like the enemy says, oh, put them to sleep, put them to quick, they're going to pray. Put them to sleep, sleep. You could do anything. Hey, let's dance, let's go out, let's basketball, the, 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 what is it, the competition, uh, the championship, you're alert. Hours. Movie, a plot, a drama, a binge. People, when's the last time someone said, I binged in prayer last night? No, 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 no one, nobody wants to binge prayer. No, 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 no. Five minutes, one minute, pray. Okay, I prayed. I like this one. People say, I pray in the bathroom. <laughs> really? Do you speak to your wife in the bathroom? Or do you take her out and you have candles and you have a special meal? So here's God, the God of the universe. Hey, I'm in the bathroom. How you doing? Uh, excuse the exhaust. You don't know prayer. I pray while I'm driving. Really? The people you love, your little pet, oh, poodle, poodle. Do you do that while you're driving? Or do you give your pet your undivided attention, devotion, because your pet, not an idol, maybe closer, but your pet has got your heart. What does God have? Well, it'll be demonstrated by your prayer. You show me your prayer life. And I'll show you the place that God has in your heart. Date night, time with your wife. I'll show you what place your spouse and marriage has in your life. Your family, I'll show you. The book of James says, by the works, you will see my faith. And that's what Jesus is teaching on to you and me. So we stop the nonsense. We stop being these spiritual people that, oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. And you, he says, listen. If you're going to make a connection in heaven, you, you're going to make a connection in prayer. You're going to discover what prayer is. You're going to push through the distraction. You're going to push to all, all that's happening. Isn't it funny? You pray and you remember things that you never remember before. Okay, Lord, I'm going to pray. Wow, they owe me 100 bucks. That's right. It just comes to you. It's like the enemy saying, let's give it. Just, just side them from prayer. Anything but prayer. Oh, I told my wife I was going to, oh, you remember everything all of a sudden, right before, right before you start praying. Someone said, when you're going to pray, take your smart device, anything that comes in, just write it down. Don't, don't go down that route. Just, okay, you reminded me. Thank you, enemy. I'll write it down, but right now I'm praying. I'm busy right now. Prayer. And not lose heart. What is the word? Where you were at. Not be exhausted. You're exhausted. It's spiritual warfare. But I like this one. Not being Utterly spiritless. Utterly spiritless. Then in other words, if you're going to be a person that you say, man, there's a need to pray. And you're going to work it out and you're going to begin to pray. In that process, man, your spirit can just be out from you. Because it's warfare. And you become open. You become genuine. You realize, man, I do have a problem. And you bring it to the Lord. And if he doesn't answer it faster than the microwave, a lot of times you say, oh, man, he didn't listen. Pastor Raz, he almost convinced me. He, he had a good thing going there. But I tried it Monday for three minutes, and it didn't work. 
You don't do that with your workout. You don't do that with your eating plan. You don't do that with your investment plan. You don't do that with anything in life. You get a new phone, and you need to learn how to use it. And some of you just learn it. Some of you, like me, you got to read the instructions. And you say, you know, but, but with prayer, we want it like this. Bam. But I present to you this. If prayer is almost one of the most important activities that any limited human being will do in this life, which gives you a touch of the unlimited presence of God, then how, in a sense, demanding is prayer going to be? And so that's why Jesus begins there and says, listen, I'm going to teach you about the must of prayer. You must pray. I'm going to teach you that prayer is what you need to do. Advantage, draw near, uh, pray. You must uh, be towards God, your wish, your, your regards to God. But I'm going to also tell you in this exercise, in this science, in this practice, watch out because you get wearied, you lose your heart, you faint, you get exhausted. And sometimes you're at the point of utterly spiritless. You're praying, and you see this big thug come and punch a grandpa and knock him out. I guarantee you he wouldn't do that because even with grandpa, he's coming up from behind, and he's sucker punching him. And sometimes that just takes the wind out of you. You say, Lord, Lord, I just give up. Lord, this is, Lord, I not want to pray. It's a funny thing. People buy the, they buy the narrative. Well, this is going to give us racial equality. Let me tell you something. In Cuba, there's no racial equality. You're with the government or you're not. And if you're not, there's a lot of prejudice to anyone that disagrees with the government. Same thing in Venezuela. Same thing in Russia. Same thing in China. And be careful. It might be coming to a town very near you. And we don't get it. We believe the rhetoric. Pastor, who do you think you are? How do you know? Because I've heard it before. I've seen it before. And Jesus here, the implication is, listen, if your trust is in military missions and exercises, if your trust is in any man, the Bible says, cursed is he who trusts in man. It's time for the church to put their trust on the Lord and say, God, it's your intervention and it's your righteousness that we desperately need. And there's something about prayer which is interesting. You will know where you're at at prayer as you pray for the people that you never think of praying. I got to confess to you, it's hard for me to pray for Nancy Pelosi. It is very difficult for me. Uh, Lord, uh, take your Nancy. And then I just continue praying. My wife, the church, <laughs> you, Schumer, <laughs> Kamukura. I'm very difficult for me to pray. I'm being transparent. I'm being honest. Very difficult for me to pray with the things I see today. I, I got to tell you. I got to tell you this. I, I hope Pastor Sack's not watching. But let me tell you, you got a pastor that, that loves the Lord and he loves the word of the Lord. And he's got the anointing of the Lord. You got a pastor that will stand here to teach you and the worship is just pure and what it is. I'm not criticizing, but you know that some churches, the colors, everything, worship, you need a room filled with electronics to do worship. And people, they come and they need, oh, hallelujah, oh, wow, hallelujah. Really? A very lack of prayer going on. A 
Elijah's praying in the cave. And the Lord comes to him and he shows him the whistles and the bells of the wind and the fire. And then the Lord just in a small, still voice said, Elijah, if you're going to be a man of prayer, ladies here, if you're going to be a woman of prayer, you're going to learn to exercise your heart and your soul and spirit. And here's the thing. God's presence is enough. That's all you need. <laughs> a lot of churches in Africa and Haiti and Cuba, they can get all the electronics. So what, they're not going to be able to worship? It's time for the people of God to begin to pray. We need to not only capture the need of prayer, we need prayer to capture us. Lord, when I'm here praying, it's like, Everything stands still. You know how you know you enter into quality prayer? It's like time, it just dissipates. You, you think it's been one minute and you look and you've been praying for hours. You entered. It's like when you enter into the timeless zone, time becomes less. You pray. And that's what Jesus is trying to teach here. But it's funny what he says at the close of verse 8. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, Luke 18, verse 8, will he really find faith on the earth? And it's almost like Jesus knows, listen, I'm teaching on prayer. I'm giving you a story. You could verify it. You could quantify it. You could ratify it. And this lady got a response. It might have taken time. It might have taken intensity. It might have taken determination. It might have taken a, a soul out of heart like, Lord, uh, judge, you're the judge. You're the authority. I'm the widow. But I'm going to be here asking you until I have breath in my life because only you can give me justice with my adversary. So here we go, judge. You're everything. I'm nothing. But I'm just going to keep coming into your presence. Jesus is saying, do you pray like that? God, I'm going to be coming. And Lord, I don't know who's going to be the result. I don't know who's going to get elected. I don't know if, they're gonna, if, if there's fraud. Lord, I don't know. But Lord, this I know. I'm going to keep coming to you and I'm going to say, Lord, we want your righteousness, Lord. We want your wisdom, Lord God. Would you open the eyes of your people that we would call on you, we would trust on you, and our prayer schedule, discipline, and practice shows it. Someone said, oh, all you do is pray. And the answer was, before you pray, all you could do is pray. After you pray, then you'll know the things you need to do. But before you pray, it's like everything you do. If heaven is not with it, if heaven didn't birth it, you're just doing your own thing. I'm doing my own thing. We turn a corner here. I think now I could say it. I want to finish early today. Every time I say that, you know, we go over time. What is this thing called prayer? You know, in the Bible, it says that in heaven, the prayers of the saints are kept in golden censers. I love to teach on this because I remember, you know, our first kid. It was funny, you know. Isel and I were young, we're married, and the first kid, oh, we cut his, this is the first haircut, save the hair. This is the first diaper. I'm exaggerating, but everything, you know, that's what we saved. By the second, by the third kid, uh, this is the kid. You know, let's keep going. <laughs> it's funny. I, that doesn't happen. I'm just uh, transparent, you know. But it's funny that the things that you keep is because there's a love, there's a romance, there's a beauty, 
And that God who creates Pluto and Mars, and he creates the solar system, God that creates the ocean, God that says to the ocean water, you come to this far, and notice how the water comes, but, but unless it's a tsunami or something, and God that creates gravity, right? And God that creates all the sciences by which our life and our DNA and our chromosomes, God that does all of that, what he keeps is your prayers. Oh, this is when Lisa prayed. I remember she prayed with the pastor, and she was battling with her health. Oh, man, the way she... Uh, Michael, keep that. Put that in the golden sensor. I want to always have that. Your prayers. Some of you, when you were single, you remember praying, Lord, you're never going to say... And, and, and God said, <laughs> they don't know have their spouse already. Well, uh, Gabriel, keep that prayer. Put it in the golden sensor. God keeps your prayers. What is this thing called prayer? The Bible says it's like incense. Your prayers, as they ascend into heaven, they got this aroma. It smells like faith. Wow, Calvary Chapel, Miami, that church, they're, pray oh, they're praying again. Michael, collect them, keep them. Doesn't that smell good? It smells like they trust me. Man, it, have you ever gone into a kitchen of your mom or your wife? My wife has become a soup connoisseur. She can't make these soups, and she does it like in seconds, you know. Man, what you eat that, and, and to think about it, that God, oh, they're, they're praying. They're praying. They're praying. Not demonstrating. Oh, we're, ha, ha, no. They're praying. Their prayer is coming before the living God as the demonstration, which is the only demonstration they need, is to demonstrate to me that they're trusting me, God, to act in the situation. I'm going to act on it. Prayers. So what, so what do you want to do? Binge on Netflix? Uh, it smells like something else down there. The whole family binging, the whole family on social media, the whole family on the electronics, the whole family on the voters' fraud, the whole family on the election, but there's somebody there in their closet that they're crying out to me, Lord, would you deal with this Black Lives Matter, Lord? Would you deal with this Antifa, Lord? Would you deal, God... What's going on, Lord? The church, the pastors, Lord. Wow. They're praying. Man, it smells so good. In the Bible, there's a story about the man of God that the servant comes running to the man of God and says, we're surrounded. The army had surrounded the people of God. And the servant comes to the leader and says, we're surrounded. And then the leader says to the servant, don't worry. There's more with us than there is of them. And the servant didn't get that. The servant says, you don't know. You don't see. And then all the man of God does is he prays a prayer that's very short. He says, God, would you open his eyes that he could see? And then his eyes are open and he sees the army and the host of the Lord that was surrounding the enemy's army. Just one prayer. 
Lord, would you open the eyes of my spouse? Lord, would you open the eyes of my son, my daughter? God, what's happened? I paid their education. I sent them to university. Lord, they brainwashed them. Lord, would you open their eyes? You pray. Someone said the secret of all failure is the failure of secret prayer. The secret of all failure is the failure of secret prayer. I love the story of the teacher that always had his light on. 10 o'clock at night, 12 o'clock at night, 1 o'clock in the morning, 2 o'clock. And there was the best teacher. People came to his class, and they all, they all would learn the subject. And one day, the light was on, and it never was shut off. And they didn't see the teacher in the next day. And then the next night, the light was on. And finally, they made their way to the room, and he had died. But they discovered him with a list in his hands. And that list had all the students that he had ever taught. And all the students that were presently enrolled in his class. He was a teacher that would pray for his students. You look at our society. You look at our youth. You look at the fraud. Who's praying? We have a 6 o'clock service here. It's getting better. It's gotten much better. You know, first there were 10 people, then, then 15, 20, 30 people. We pray right here, you know. But, but look how many people there are here now. And then there was an earlier service. And before COVID, it was like about 500 people here. Prayer service, cricket, cricket, five people. Cricket, 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 pray. Oh, we're coming to pray. <laughs> Things are intensifying. Well, I pray. Or you pray. I'm not even asking that you come here at 6 but would you put your calendar, your watch to six, and wherever you are, would you stop for an hour and a half, and would you pray right where you are, knowing that your family here in the house of the Lord, we're praying, and what are we praying for? God, would you move, Lord? God, would you intervene? God, would you send your Holy Spirit to bring conviction, Lord, and expose whatever needs to be exposed, Lord? God, would you do it? Because we come to that point that we realize that, God, unless you do it, it's not going to get done. The swamp is just too wide. The state is just too deep, Lord. Not going to get done. Not to mention, Lord, I have sons. I have daughters. I got grandkids. You got, you got them, too. And who's praying for them? You know why I'm here? It's a product of prayer. I'd be out in the world busting the gates of hell wide open, except that there were people in the church that I grew up in that they would call each other during the week and they would say, let's pray for the pastor's son. El hijo de pastor. <laughs> let's pray for him. And God heard the prayers. You know why your pastor Zach is here? Some of you come to me and say, oh, you did a great job. I can't take the credit. It says, mom and the Lord. <laughs> Prayer. To think that there'll be people in heaven when you get there. That was your prayers. I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward. We're going to close in prayer. If I could borrow your attention just a little bit longer, what I want to tell you is when you go home, keep reading Luke 18, and you're going to see that after Jesus teaches on necessity, the necessity of prayer, you know what the very next lesson is? Another parable. There's a Pharisee 
and a tax collector. And the Pharisee is all about himself. He's praying, Lord, I fast. I, I do good things. And the tax collector, he's punching his chest and he's saying, Lord, have mercy upon me. I'm a sinner. And then Jesus teaches, you know, the tax collector is the one that went to his house justified first because of humility. You see, as you think about prayer, the very next lesson is that, yeah, prayer is a must. We must pray, but to pray aright, your heart has to be right, and there has to be humility. The very next lesson is going to be teachability. There's going to be kids that are being brought to Jesus. The disciples start to prevent it. And then Jesus says, hey, let them come to me. Unless you become like a child, you can't get into the kingdom of heaven. So in that whole chapter, it's an incredible thing. You have prayer, necessity. You have humility. You have teachability. It's an incredible flow, but it all points to the fact that for your prayers and my prayers to be right, there's one necessity. You know what that is? You got to be saved. You got to be born Again, the Bible in Isaiah 59, God says, hey, God's hands have not been shortened. His ears are not lack of hearing. It's your sins that have caused a divide between you and God. So to pray right, to teach you on prayer this morning, we got to deal with the sin. How do you deal with the sin, Pastor? You must go to Jesus. We must go to Calvary's cross and have our sins, the barriers removed so all of a sudden the channels of communication are clear that I can pray and my prayers rise up. And the answers, they flow down because I've become a son. You've become become a son, a daughter of the living God. I want to give an invitation in a few minutes, and I want to give the plan of salvation. I don't know how many of you have heard of AAA. Of course, a lot of people heard of AAA because when you're stuck, you call AAA, and they tow you away. Well, there's a heavenly AAA that I want to teach you about this morning. A, the first A stands for admit. How do you get saved? You got to admit you're a sinner. The Bible says in Romans 3, 23, all have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. So you could go to church. You could be a good husband. You could be a good single person. You could be good, 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 do good, good, good. And heaven is not made up of good people. Heaven is made up of saved people, people that admit it. I'm a sinner. Lord, I'm apart from you. There's something missing in my life. There's like a hole in my life, Lord, and, and, and I'm a sinner. And then the next A is accept Accept Jesus as your Savior and your Lord. Romans 6, 23 says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Have you been there? Have you been to the place that you admitted I'm a sinner and then you accept Jesus that his death on Calvary's cross was to take God's wrath and judgment upon himself for the sins of the world, your sins, my sins, and salvation is preceded by a person that accepts Jesus as Savior and Lord. How do you do that? Romans chapter 10 says, with the mouth you confess, and with your heart you believe. In a few moments, I'm going to ask those of you that are here that if Jesus is speaking to your heart, you would stand to your feet, and I'm going to lead you in a prayer that with your mouth you're going to say, Jesus, I am a sinner, and Jesus, I want to accept you as my Savior and Lord.
the last A. I like this one. Very special. Not only admit you're a sinner, not only accept Jesus as your Savior, but the third A. Allow. Allow Jesus to be now the Savior and Lord in your life. In Revelation chapter 3, to the church at Laodicea, the word is, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. And if you open the door of your heart, Jesus says, I'm going to come in. And we're going to sup together. It's the way in that culture that they will become one. Allow Jesus to be now the one that leads you and guides you. Have you tasted that? You could be a churchgoer. I'm glad you are. I'm glad you're here this morning. But I got to tell you this. Only way to get to heaven is by being saved. The Bible teaches that when you admit you're a sinner and you accept Jesus as your Savior and you allow Jesus to now come in, the Bible says, if anybody's in Christ, you become a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, everything becomes new. It's a new life. So in a few moments, I'm going to pray and then I'm going to extend an invitation. If you're here this morning, you might be in the back. You might be here. You might be listening through your device. And if you're listening right there where you are, you could stand up and say, Jesus, I want you. The Lord can save you where you are. The Lord can save you here in this building. And right now, I hope those of you that pray, you're praying. It's only God that can do the work in people where they can go from lost to be found. They can go from blind to now having their eyes open and they see. They can go from being dead to the spirit and now being alive to Jesus. That's what the Lord wants to give you here this morning. If you've never done it, all you need to do is just take some inventory in your heart and just pray, Lord, do you want me to stand? And if in your heart you sense that the Lord is calling you to stand, just stand to your feet. Let's pray. Father, we pray right now that if there's anyone here today that this is the day for their salvation, Lord, we're trusting the work of your Holy Spirit to move in people here that whoever needs to stand to their feet right now, and they would do it.